0: Chapter number eleven, as we're going to look at this second ordinance tonight. We looked uh, Sunday afternoon at baptism, that being the first ordinance that was given to uh, the Lord's churches. This is the second ordinance, and that is the Lord's Supper. That we'll be looking at this evening, and and uh, we're going to see what it represents and uh, how it was instituted there, particularly as we see given for us in the scriptures. Um, and that'll that'll about finish up our study on systematic theology. We get through studying this uh, particular subject. I think I got one more message I want to look at concerning the Lord's Supper, but that will about do it. So we'll do two more on this, and we'll finish up with our study on systematic theology. And then I don't know where we'll go. Uh, I'm uh, of course we're studying right now, trying to get to Romans chapter twelve on Sunday mornings with our study on forgiveness and what God is teaching us there and I'm starting a new study now and I don't know where the world it's going to go to exactly but it's in Revelation chapter 3 particularly the church of Laodicea I couldn't I that was on my mind all day today couldn't get away from that 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 those words that the Lord speaks to them uh and how that impacts us today um of those seven churches that John is writing to and, and the Lord is speaking to there in chapter two and chapter three, the one that that resounds most clearly, echoes most clearly off of me is the church at Laodicea. I mean, that's that's the one that seems to fit me more than all the rest of them. And so we'll we'll look and see. Uh, where we go with that, if we go anywhere at all, that might be just the Lord speaking to me about that, show, showing me what I need to straighten out. But we'll we'll see on that. So <clears throat> I, I don't know where we'll go to after we finish this study, but we'll uh, we'll we'll go wherever the Lord uh, sends us, wherever He directs us to as we as we continue looking at these things. But here in chapter eleven of First Corinthians, of course, Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth. And the Church of Corinth again, they had a lot of things wrong. I mean, pretty much everything uh, as a matter of order uh, that that they could have wrong, they had wrong. Uh, they not so much not so much doctrine necessarily. There wasn't particular. I mean, there's a few things that Paul would would point out to, but primarily it was just in their operation together and in. in in the relationships in the church body itself, and then the, the order in the church and their conduct toward one another, that was really what Paul hammers on in this first letter here to the church of Corinth. Near here in chapter number 11, he speaks specifically in verse 1 and verse 2 concerning the ordinances. And then he will address it here at the end of the chapter that we'll be looking at this evening, particularly the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. There are, there are only two ordinances that the Lord gave us, two exercises that the Lord gave us to do as a body in a, uh, uh, in a ceremonial fashion, I guess is what you would say. Uh, we, we tend to make ceremony out of a lot of things how many songs we sing before service when we say our prayers i mean we we make we make ceremony out of a lot of things and we probably shouldn't be so regimented in in how we conduct ourselves in service in that way but Nevertheless, there's only two things that the Lord gives us specifically that have a ceremonial aspect to them. One is baptism and how that's to be carried out and what it means that we looked at on Sunday. And then secondly is the Lord's Supper. Uh, The baptism is one that is uh, not usually repeated, as we said on Sunday. That's usually one that's done and and, and that's all you, you do for an individual. You continue with the baptisms as those folks are saved and added to the church. You continue with those baptisms in that way. But primarily one baptism per person is generally how it works. Uh, when the Lord's Supper, that's this second ordinance This is one that is repeated often. And in fact, the Scripture even leaves it to us as oft as ye do this. So it's up to us as to the amount... Of time that we would we would celebrate or perform this particular ordinance of the Lord's supper. But Paul begins here in verse one. He says, "Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. And so Paul addresses this visit. Keep the ordinances, he says, as. I delivered them unto you. In other words, there wasn't any leeway in there for them to decide how they were going to do it. Paul said, you keep them like I I told you to keep them. You do it the way I told you to do it. And so this this is a a problem here at the Church of Corinth that Paul will address here at the end of the chapter uh, as we get to it that they were not keeping the ordinance as Paul had delivered it unto them, but they had added some things to the ordinance that Paul corrects them on. But first, let's go back before we we go into what Paul gives correction on. Let's go back and see where this ordinance is established for us to begin with. Go back to Matthew chapter 26. As the Lord is meeting here, with His disciples, eating this final Passover with them before the night before His crucifixion, the Lord will partake of the Passover with His disciples. And it is after they eat this Passover meal that He will institute this ordinance for them with those remainder of the Passover meal that that they partook of that night. Now... When he comes to this Passover, uh, he sends them out, of course, to to go prepare the upper room and get the stuff that was necessary for them to partake of that supper together. And he enters in with just the twelve. It's himself and the twelve that go in to eat this Passover together. This was a special time for them. Uh, This is his church that he started with his apostles And he spends this time particularly with them because he's going to be teaching them a lot of stuff here in these hours before his arrest. And John records the majority of it for us. The things that he talked with them about there in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17 His his high priestly prayer there. So he spends a great deal of time there and John records for us. Of the Lord teaching His disciples in these hours after they partook of this Passover meal, but they come into the come into this Passover time to eat this meal together. The Lord, of course, washes His disciples' feet here, and it's a beautiful picture of His servitude to them, and uh, an example of how He desires for us to serve one another. He comes in. And uh, wraps a towel around himself and he goes about to wash his disciples' feet. Comes to Peter, and Peter always wanted to speak up uh, when when he didn't understand or when he thought he understood. Peter would speak up, and Peter spoke up in this instance, and he said, uh-huh, "You ain't washing my feet. I'm not going to let you wash my feet, Lord. I, I'm not. You're 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 too big. You're too high. You're too great to be washing my feet. You're not going to wash my feet." And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. And he said, well, not my feet only, but also my head and my hands and all of me. In other words, Peter said, you, you wash all of me, Lord. I want, I want to be cleaned by you. And so the Lord institutes that, that time with them to show His service and His servitude for them. They eat of the Passover meal that was prepared for them there. And after having eaten of the Passover meal, we we read here as the Lord sends out Judas to go and do this betraying that Judas is going to do. Now he's telling them while they're eating the Passover meal that one of them would betray him. And of course they're all arguing back and forth who's going to betray him, which one of us is it. And they're all asking, Is it me, Lord? Am I the one that's going to do it? And of course, he is quite specific in it. It is he that dippeth with me in the sop, while Judas is dipping with him in the sop. And then he says, Go and do. Go go and do what you what you need to do. And Judas leaves at that point. And then what we read this here when you compare Matthew chapter 26 and John chapter 13. Judas leaves at that point and then the Lord institutes this ordinance of the Lord's Supper here with the remaining 11 after Judas leaves. Notice with me verse 25 of Matthew 26. It says, Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Thou hast said. Then in John thirteen, go over there, verse number twenty five. John thirteen and verse number twenty five, down through verse number thirty. There it says he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, is it I? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Jesus, Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things which we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor, he then having received the sop went immediately out, and it was not. So immediately after he received that sop, that Matthew 25 tells us about, John 13 tells us about, immediately after he received that, he goes out, and with the remaining eleven there in the upper room with the Lord, he institutes this supper for them. And we see that in verse 26 of Matthew 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is My body. And He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is My blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now go Second 2 Corinthians chapter... I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Hold your place here in Matthew. We'll come back uh, maybe and look at a couple of verses here. Paul tells us here, he gives us a few more details as he records here what... The Lord said what took place there. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 23. And we'll read down through verse 34 as uh, well. I'm going to read all the way. I'll read down verse 25 right now. I mean, we'll, we'll hold off there for a moment. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. It says. I have received of the Lord, he says, that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me." After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, "This cup." is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. So, Paul tells, gives us that instruction. The same thing the Lord told us there in Matthew 26. This... this. Um, Exercise as this ordinance that the Lord instituted there, as He gave them the bread and as He gave them the cup there to drink of, both of these elements are representative of His body. They are not actually His body. There are those that teach that. They're wrong. <laughs> it does not become the flesh of Jesus in your mouth, nor does it become His blood when you drink the drink there. In your, that does not... It does not change. That is is a a doctrine called transubstantiation. There's another one called consubstantiation, which is very similar uh, to it. But it, it does not change in any way. It is only symbolic of what our Lord has given for us. It is a remembrance of Him. It is a memorial of His death for us. And so, his, in the bread being broken there for us, that is representing his body broken for us. That, that bread there, as, is, as it is broken to be eaten there of them, as he said, Take, eat, this is my body. It is simply an acknowledgement and taking of that bread in this memorial of the Lord's death, in taking that, we are acknowledging or we are showing that we have received the Lord's death for us. That we are identifying ourselves with His death. The same thing we do in the baptism. When we are dipped into the water, we are showing that we have died with Christ, buried with Him, and raised to walk in newness of life. In that that. Act, we are showing the gospel of the Lord Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection for us. Likewise, in this ordinance, it is a memorial of His death for us, and we are, are participating, are taking part in that death and identifying ourselves in the Lord Jesus, in His sacrifice given for us. And so we eat of that bread, as a symbol of the Lord's body broken for us. And we drink of that cup as a symbol of the Lord's blood shed for us that we might have forgiveness of sins. And so that in this act, in this act of receiving this this bread and this cup, when we partake of that, we are showing forth that we are identifying ourselves in that death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And it is a memorial, particularly a memorial of His sacrifice for us. A memorial of His sacrifice for us. So that each, whenever we take it, that is its purpose. That is its purpose. When we take the Lord's Supper together, the purpose of it for us is to remind us solemnly Remind us what our Lord paid to to save our sinful, wicked souls. What our Lord paid to redeem us unto Himself. And it is is an acknowledgement and a remembrance of what He has done for us. So it is a memorial. It is a memorial day. Now, there are two elements... In this, in this supper that are given, uh, first one is bread, and it's particularly unleavened bread. And the reason we know it's unleavened bread is because that was the only bread they had during the Passover feast. In fact, for Jews, when they have the Passover, it's so uh, uh, so important that there be no possibility of leaven being in the house, that that is when they do spring cleaning. That's where we come up with the the idea of spring cleaning. They would go through their house and clean it out. And I mean they would take everything out of the house and scrub it from top to bottom. I, I read one, one guy, he was talking about his family when they would, he was a Jew, and, and he was talking about when his family would have uh, Passover, they would make a game of it, and they would actually hide leaven or yeast in the house. And the kids had to go in and find all of them while they were cleaning. So they, that way they made sure they cleaned them all so they would have clean everything out so they would have all the ones that their mom or their dad had hidden in the house, all the, the pieces or all the I don't know, packets of, of yeast or whatever they hid. They would have to go and find all of it and get it out of the house. The bread that it required for the Passover feast was unleavened bread. Leaven, of course, is representative throughout the Scriptures. We see it over and over again. Leaven is representative of sin and, and what sin causes in us. When leaven or yeast is put in uh, the dough for making the bread, it causes the bread to rise. It grows because of that, that leaven put in it. and It's the same thing sin does to us. When, we, when sin is in us and we're giving given sin a place in us, it grows in us. And it, it's a destroyer in that sense. And so the leaven was to be removed... There, that, that impurity, that representative sin was to be taken out, and only unleavened bread was permitted or, or used in the Passover feast. Particularly, we read there in, in Exodus chapter 12, it was the, uh, the bread of hurry, because uh, they had to get out the next day. And so they, they didn't have time even to wait for the bread to rise. They had to, had to bake it quickly. And so they didn't, they didn't use the leaven for the baking of the bread. It was the, the bread, the bread of, of haste there because they had to get out in a hurry. And so that's the reason the unleavened bread was used initially. And so this, this was the only bread that they would serve during the Passover feast. And so we know then that what our Lord instituted this supper with was unleavened bread. And again, representing representing that purity of the body of our Lord for us. There was no sin in Him at all. Our Lord... Our, listen, I tell you what, people in our world today and in, in, in folks that are calling them, even calling themselves Christians are saying, well, Jesus, He could sin. Like He's probably a sinner too. No, He was not. Not at all. Jesus' is absolute perfection His absolute holiness, His absolute righteousness. There was no sin in Him whatsoever. If there was any sin in Him at all, then He was not Savior. He could not save you if there was any sin in Him at all. He was perfect. He was holy. There was no sin in Him at all. And it is in the perfection of His sacrifice that His righteousness that He earned could be imputed to you and I who are full of sin. It is by His sacrifice for us, the purity of that sacrifice for us, that His blood was shed, His body was broken, that we could have forgiveness of our sins, that we could be washed, that we could be made clean, that we could have the righteousness of Christ Jesus for us. It is only by that sinless sacrifice that our sin is forgiven. And so it had to be without sin. Now, the second element... Yeah, the first element is unleavened bread. The second element, he, he simply calls here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the, the Bible tells us in the Gospels there, the cup. The cup. Now, he tells us in Matthew as well as in Mark that it is the fruit of the vine. That is grapes. That's what grows on the vine. That's what they would have had is something from the grape, is what they drank from. Now, what they used in the Passover feast was wine, fermented wine. That's what they used in the Passover feast. That's what our Lord used when He established the Lord's Supper here with His disciples. He used wine there in that supper. It is the reason we use wine still today. Now, there are others that use grape juice, and I don't use grape juice, but it doesn't bother me that they use grape juice. It don't bother me that they do. Um, I, I think it was wine that the Lord used and I think I ought to, we ought to try to do what the Lord did in that in that scenario. But there are others other good brethren, good churches I, I, that use grape juice. I have no problem with them using the grape juice. But we know it wasn't what the Lord used. Okay, He did not use grape juice. Unfermented, anyway. Because it was the wrong time of year for the grape harvest. This was in the first month of the year, which was Nisan, which was our March-April time. Grapes are not growing there in Israel at that time. This, the, you don't have the grape harvest until the end of uh, July, first part of August is when you have the grape harvest. Um, Welch's uh, was not on the grocery store there in Jerusalem. They couldn't go buy it. The pasteurization process had not yet been developed. They did not know about that, and so you could not keep, you could not keep grape juice from their squeezings in uh, August. You could not keep that grape juice grape juice by the time you get around to March and April. You couldn't, they didn't have freezer to freeze it. To keep it that way, it would naturally, what would occur is that grape juice would turn to wine, it would ferment. And that's how they would keep. That's how they would keep that great harvest from year to year. Is that the fermentation process would go forth, and they would use the wine. And this, this is what our Lord used in the Passover feast there, as well as His establishment here of this second, this uh, second element of the Lord's supper. This wine here. And, and He he tells them there that He would not drink of it again from this point forward until He would drink it anew with them in His Father's kingdom. Um, this this uh, wine is representative of the Lord's blood that was shed for us. It's representative of His blood spilled that, that gave for us the payment for our sins. And so this is the purpose of these two elements. His body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed, His blood that was given as the payment for our sin. These are the two elements that we are using there when we take of the Lord's Supper that we are using to remember what our Lord did for us. To remember his, His payment, the cost, that our Lord endured to bring to us, to bring to us this salvation. Now, notice with me, verse 26 of chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 26. Now, Paul's going to address some of their problems here. Now, he's already told them, verse 17 and 18 of this passage, that there was divisions among them. And he says that and he addresses that first. He says, Those there should not be divisions among you. And then he speaks to why or how some of these divisions have occurred um, as he goes on there uh, from verse nineteen on down. And he he talks about them. Well, let me just read that the beginning in verse seventeen. He says, Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, he says. For there must also be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. Why? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that I have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. See, they were every time they they were coming together. They were coming in to take the Lord's supper together. They were coming in to to perform this ordinance. But before they were doing that, they were having a big feast and were eating. And there were those that were coming in bringing their food. They weren't sharing their food with the others that were in there. They were just bringing their own supper in. And they were were eating what they'd have. There'd be those that were in need, those that didn't have much, and they didn't have anything to eat. They were sitting there watching everybody else eat their their meal. And they were calling this thing agape feast. Love feast is what they were calling it. But then they they weren't sharing it with one another. They, they They weren't passing it around. There were those that were eating and, and feasting to the point of drunkenness even within the body of the church there as they were meeting together. And so there was there was all kinds of issues here going on there while they were supposed to be remembering the Lord's death till He come. And Paul said, what are y'all doing? What, what in the world are you doing? That's, that's not what I taught you. He said, I, that's not the ordinance that I delivered to you. Then he says in verse twenty six, he says, "For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, he said, every time you get together, that's not you don't necessarily have to eat the Lord's supper. That's just that's not because that's the time you do it. But he says, as often as you do, as often as you do meet together for that, as he says in verse number twenty six, to eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And so it's not a time of feasting." It's not a time of revelry, or at least it should not be, but rather it is a memorial. It is a time of remembrance. It is a time of, 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 of somberness, if you will, in remembering what it costs the Lord to pay for your sins. And they were there... Instead of remembering what it cost the Lord to pay for their sin, they were committing more sins. (laughs) Claiming they were remembering the Lord's death till it come. Paul says, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So there Paul says we're not to take it unworthily. We're, we're to be mindful about what we are doing, and we are to be we need to be aware of, of our own standing before the Lord when we take of this, this supper, we need to make sure that we are right with Him before we eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We need to make sure that, that we're not harboring sin in ourselves. That we're not, we're not following self. We're not holding on to wickedness. That we're not rebelling against the Lord. We need to examine ourselves. So there's some self-examination required here. Let every man examine himself. So that we not take this unworthily, this 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 memorial of the Lord, that we do so in proper order. But let every man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Then Paul says, "For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, or chastening." Paul's not talking about them losing their salvation there, but he's telling them that they're coming under the chastening of the Lord if they're coming in and taking the Lord's Supper unworthily. If there's sin in their life, they're putting themselves, by doing so, they're putting themselves under the chastening hand of the Lord. And he says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, he says, this had already taken place among them. There, there were folks there at the church at Corinth at this time, and Paul's writing them this letter, that had taken the They were all doing it, taking the Lord's suffer unworthily, take, remembering his, his this body and, and, and His blood shed for them. They were remembering that unworthily, doing it in a way that was not prescribed for them to do so. And in so doing, the Lord's chastening was on the church there because they had taken it wrongfully. And He says, uh, for this cause, verse 30, many are sick, or weak rather, and sickly among you, and many sleep. So there were those that were weak and were sick because of the Lord's chastening. And some of them had even died because they had taken the Lord's Supper unworthily there and had experienced the chastening of the Lord. God God has given us these two pictures in these ordinances of the Gospel of Christ Jesus. And when God gives a picture... He wants that picture to look like it's supposed to look. He doesn't give us, he doesn't give us much leeway on what the picture is supposed to be showing. He did this with the with the, the Old Testament saints, the, the Israel, when he gave them those pictures of our Lord and the pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament, he that and when every time they failed those pictures, he was severe. In his punishment for them, even to Moses, he told Moses the first time to strike the rock for the water to come forth, and Moses struck the, wa- the rock, and the water came forth. The second time, he said, "You don't strike it this time. You speak to it," because the rock, as Paul tells us there in First Corinthians chapter ten, the rock was representative of the Lord Jesus Himself, and it is from Him that the water of life flows to us. And in order for that water of life to flow to us, he had to be struck for us. Cleft, as we sang, rock of ages, cleft for me. He had to be broken for us that that water might come forth unto us. But once he's broken, that was, there's no breaking of him again. Never again. That was only one time. One sacrifice given for us. And we are eternally saved in our Lord Jesus in that one sacrifice. So when we need further after that, all we simply do is ask Him. All we simply do is ask Him. Never again is He broken. And so the second time, Moses was to simply speak to the rock. And the water would flow forth. Moses, however, in his anger, because of the children of Israel's disobedience, Moses, in his anger, struck the rock out of his anger. God still, in great grace, gave forth water to the people that they would live. But because Moses messed up the picture, God told him, you're not going to go into the promised land. After 40 years... Circling in the desert with that bunch of rebels. God said, you're not going to go into the promised land with them. Moses was not permitted to lead them in. Because he messed up that picture. God does not want his pictures messed up. He takes it very seriously. And so these folks were messing up the picture of the gospel of Christ Jesus here. And Paul said because of it, some of them were weak, some of them were sick, and some of them had died. Some of them had died. For if we would judge ourselves, Paul says, we should not be judged. So if we, if, if he, if we do what he says to do in verse number 28, if we examine ourselves first then we wouldn't be taking it unworthily. And if we're not taking it unworthily, we don't worry have to worry about coming under the chastening hand of the Lord on it. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So we know there he tells us that that word damnation that is used in verse number 29 is not talking about us losing our salvation. There, He, he tells us right there. No, no I not saying you're condemned with the world, but rather it's the chastening hand of the Lord. He's correcting you. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Now, just a side note here, that does not mean we can't eat together here at church. That's not what we found it We've got a sign-up sheet back there right now for our Christmas dinner we're having here in a couple of weeks. Paul's not telling us here that we're not supposed to eat. I, I've met folks before, that believe no, you cannot eat anywhere around the church building. And they would not. The rest of the church of their church would actually eat together, and they would have fellowship dinners. And that that one family would not. They would not eat, and they would wait in the they would wait in the sanctuary until everybody else got done eating. They simply would not, because they said, "No, no, no, you can't eat together at, at church house." And they just refused. They would not. It's not what Paul's telling us here. It's not what he's saying. He's saying when we come together for the Lord's supper, when we come together for this ordinance, it's not about us eating. It's about us remembering what our Lord did for us. And so he says, "If don't come here to eat when you're when you're coming to take the Lord's supper, don't come here expecting to get your belly full." You eat at home. And I don't know how anybody thinks to get their belly full anyway. We take that little old bitty drop of wine and that little piece of bread, you're going to go away hungry <laughs> if you're expecting to get fed when you come for the Lord's Supper. Physically. This that's all Paul's saying. He's saying it's not about it's not about us coming to eat, but rather it's about us coming to remember what our Lord did for us in his death on the cross for us His body being broken for us His blood being shed for us it's about what He has done to pay for our sins to redeem us unto Himself and so wherefore my brother, when you come together eat tarry one for another feed man hunger let him eat at home that ye come not together unto condemnation and the rest He says will I set in order when I come and so that's that is the Lord's Supper. That is the second ordinance that the Lord has established for us to perform baptism, Lord's Supper. The only two ordinances He given. only two that He has given. Okay. Alright. Let's all stand together and we'll be dismissed.